Episode 0044, Kevin Costner is Gray. You've entered the Potable Picture Show, your podcast dedicated to motion pictures and drinking liquors. Warning, this podcast may contain explicit content. We are going to have an abbreviated episode today, but we will have a chance for Heather to shake down some news. We'll play a little movie quiz about black or white. Then we'll jump into feature presentation and talk about the movie Black or White and some topics of conversation that jump off from that. All this and more on a special birthday episode of The Picture Show. Well, I fooled everyone. We're not in the back of the cantina. We're not in our VAP booth. We have taken our little shuttle over to Planet Matt. So here to the right of me, on his birthday, his character Dances in Cars was cut out of a Kevin Costner movie. Fun fact. It's Beer Maker Matt. Hi. (laughs) Also with us, to the left of me, and her name is Heathen. Her motto is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I'm going to gouge your fucking eye out, you manipulative little prick. That's pretty much true. <laughs> How you doing, Haven? I'm super duper. Thank you for asking. You sang a happy birthday to Matt when we landed on Planet Matt. And I wouldn't let anybody <laughs> interrupt me. Didn't matter what anybody was doing. I just kept going. <laughs> so we have our, uh, also, in addition to an abbreviated uh, show, because we need to keep this about an hour so we can make it to sushi, we also have abbreviated equipment, so we are all sharing a microphone <laughs> this time. So if you hear some rustling or some of this, <laughs> it's because we don't have the hit the baby app. And it's, hit well, the we even. do have that. <laughs> well, then why'd you hit me? <laughs> we have some black and white that we are drinking with. Right now, we are drinking Drake's Brewing Black Robusto Porter, and Heathen is drinking some white wine. Oh, that's some good stuff. Mm hmm. Oh, that is good. Later on, when we get to the white portion, we may open up this Omegong Vit beer, which is white beer. And what is your birthday beer? Uh, We've got a little Deschutes Brewing Company, uh, Black Butte, 26th birthday. Yeah. I'm guessing that's 26, right? Yeah. Yeah, So it says on the bottom. Mm -hmm. So it's got to be. Nice. Black Butte. That's a good breakfast beer. Mm -hmm. The regular porter. Deflected. (laughs) The price is wrong, bitch. 
Almost two decades after they first threw down during a golf game in Happy Gilmore, uh, Adam Sandler and the former Price is Right host Bob Barker traded harsh words and fistcuffs once again for Comedy Central's Night of Too Many Stars, a telethon for autism awareness that airs March 8th. You don't say. The men look obviously significantly older, but yeah. they still know how to throw down. The rivalry picks up with the fictionalized. The, the rivalry. Oh, okay. Picks up with the fictionalized trash-talking 91-year-old Barker in the hospital recovering from hip surgery. I would like to see what that <laughs> looks like. Yeah, didn't he throw a bedpan on Adam Sandler or something? Oh, yeah, nice. I didn't want to watch the preview. Oh, I'm sorry that I gave it away. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's... And uh here to spoil everything. That's uh, one of the, you know, when people, when people keep bringing up... Um, Happy, happy Gilmore. That's a scene that people usually reference. Price is wrong, bitch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you like how I started that? Yeah, I'm ready for your next next news. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris hosted the Tony Awards four times, mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like he's going to have the same resolve. No, he doesn't want to, to return for the Oscars. Huh. Harris sat down with the Huffington Post for an interview recently. He quoted i don't know that my family nor my soul could take it it's a beast it was fun to check off a list for the amount of time spent and the understandable opinionated response i don't know that it's been a delightful balance to ever to do every year or even again and i kind of agree and the public response was it was a pretty boring oscar yeah but people seem like they complain every year about the oscars like um this year was a little bit lower rated than the past. But then last year, which was like fairly high rated, a lot of people said it was boring. The year before, people hated Seth MacFarlane, mm-hmm. even though I thought he was pretty funny. They just thought he was way over the line, like starting the show with, we saw your boobs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, well, I don't, I don't think that the Oscars really need to outdo themselves every year. Otherwise, you know, what are we going to be doing next year? Like... Yeah, it's an award show. Just wells. it is what it is. They <laughs> people shouldn't care that much about the host. The host is just there to move things along. I mean, the other complaints about the Oscars wasn't just the host. They felt the whole pacing of, of a lot of stuff was bad, and that wasn't necessarily the host's fault. Blame the producer. Mm-hmm. Fire his ass, even though he's been doing it for like forty-eight years. So we have a little beer news for beer maker Matt birthday. Ooh. Maybe he can decide which one would be good for him. What does a bottle of beer say about a person drinking it? Does a what? A bottle of beers? A bottle of beer. <laughs> a blah, blah, blah. Uh, well, they make a statement about who you are. Fortune compiled a highly unscientific guide. So here we go. Budweiser, you're a regular guy or want to appear that way. Bud Light, you like an ass car. Perhaps Blue Ribbon, you're probably playing beer pong. Corona, you wish you were on a beach right now. Negro Modelo, you make fun of Corona drinkers. Blue Moon, I love the citrusy flavored of cra- flavor of craft beer. What? It's made by, by Miller Coors. Heineken, you're at a sporting event while seated in a corporate box. Uh, Amstel Light, thank God the beer is free at this office party. Sam Adams, you like craft beers, but don't have the energy to learn about every new microbrew. <laughs> Stella Artois, 
Artois. Artois. You like a patina of Euro sophistication on your light coif. Plus, you think removing the foamy head with a knife is cool, even if bartenders <laughs> do that only in TV commercials. Guinness, you're the salt of the earth of the opposite and desperate to hide it. Red Stripe, you hope the jukebox has plenty of Bob Marley. Coors Light, you like your beer really, really cold. I would say out of all that, either Guinness or uh, Sam Adams. I think those are pretty accurate for the most part. I drink Coors Light because it's really, really cold. Um, Bob Mar- or, uh, Red Stripe, I don't really like, but yeah. uh, beer maker or, uh, Mike Number One likes it. So it fits with the. I think I've only had that in Jamaica. I think I would be the Stella. And I was going to say, back back uh, probably about 10 years ago, Heineken was kind of the, the, the douchebag beer, sort of. So that uh, sort of makes sense. That was the beer that everyone would, would get at the clubs and stuff. And buy, I remember going and, and again, this is about 10 years ago. It would be $20 in L.A. to go get a couple Heinekens. It's ridiculous. I think that was one of the first beers you could do, like, little mini kegs, too. Mm-hmm. Ward 72 suffered multiple gashes to his head and was Gash. taken... Gashes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> he had multiple gashes. Okay, go so on. He likes to bash the gash. Okay, gashes to his head. Am I missing something here? Gashes, Clay. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> gashes to his head was taken to a nearby hospital for treatment. The crash... Happened around 2.25. It was a mechanical failure of a plane. Oh. And that's what caused the accident. I didn't know what caused it. I thought it was him being old. Oh. And so now. I'm really shocked about some news. He is in, um, like, stable condition because he was reported in critical condition. Now they think that he will survive to live another year. I mean, he can't live that long, really. You weren't shocked about any of my news, were you? I'd already read them all. I know. He... Why don't you, like, stay off the internet for one freaking day of your life, or maybe an hour, and be surprised? <laughs> or I'll bring up some Disney news next oh, time. Uh, I don't care if you bring up Disney news. You don't know anything about Disney. Anyway, let's go. Yeah, what's the porn parody to Maleficent? Uh, Magnificent? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have one. That's a hard one. Hoodnificent. Hoodnificent? Yeah, like hood oh. on your clit. Okay. <laughs> That's kind of gross. Well, you asked me a question, and I answered it. I thought it, it was going to be a black porno or and something. And that's the news. All right. <laughs> okay. We have a quiz called Black or White. You need some ring-ins. This will be interesting ring-in. Um, Heathen, who's your favorite Star Wars character? In honor of Harrison Ford. The Ewoks? Yeah. Okay. The Ewoks. Ewoks. How about you, Matt? Because I have stickers in my sticker book still, and they're furry. I, I was going to say R2, but once she said little guys, I just immediately thought of Jawas. Okay. We've got Ewoks versus Jawas. So I have ten questions for you. These are all movies, and all of these movies either have the word white or black in the title. Are you understand the rules? <laughs> Yet again, another example of how terrible Matt is with movie names. You'll have to keep track of your own scores. And Heather. Okay, number one. 
1954 holiday movie starring Bing Crosby is really hoping. Well, I, I, I forgot Jawas. what I am. <laughs> White Christmas. White Christmas for one point. That's my favorite movie ever. You're the Ewoks. This 2012. <laughs> How do you spell it? Ewoks. Yeah, you got E W O K. Okay. Number two. That's kind of cool. You can hear me writing. Okay, that's enough. This 2012 fairy tale movie starring Kristen Stewart, Chris Helmsworth, and Charlize Theron is set for a 2016 sequel with Jessica Chastain. Uh, Jawa. Jawa. Snow White. And? The Seven Dwarfs. Nope. Yeah, I don't remember the second part of the name. Snow White and the Huntsman. That's right. For zero points. Chris Helmsworth, of course, is the Huntsman. Boo. You should get a half a point. (laughs) This movie stars brothers Sean and Marlon Waynes as two detectives that go undercover. Ewok. Ewok. White Chicks. White Chicks is Uh, correct for one point. Listen to me right. Natalie Portman won a Best Actress Oscar in 2011 for this film. Uh, Jawa. Jawa. Black Swan. That is correct for one point. Hmm. Uh, which I have not seen. Mm. <laughs> it's spankworthy. Mm. Will Smith joins a secret organization that polices... Jawa. Act- Jawas. Men in Black. Men in Black is correct. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Number six. <laughs> the movie group recently saw this 2014 submarine movie starring Jude Law. I did not attend this movie. I was not movie. there. Oh, uh... Black... Black Sea. Black Sea. You're mean. <laughs> this 1979 family film involves a boy and his horse surviving a shipwreck and getting stranded on a desert island. Ewok. Ewok. <laughs> Black Beauty. Nope. No. What's his name? What's his name? Beer Maker uh, Matt, you want to take a stab at it? Uh... Black Stallion? Black Stallion is correct. (laughs) (laughs) Number eight. Tell me what film I am talking about. No. An Asian American office worker and his Indian stoner friend get the munchies. After seeing a TV advertisement, uh, they head on Jawa. Um, God. Carol and Kumar do White Castle. It's, It's something White Castle. Shit. I'm going to have to go to our judges. The title is Harold and Kumar Go to White Castle. Yeah. What do you think? He said do. I knew do. the burger. Hey. I need well, a if you if you would have given him the half a point for the other nope. one, then you gave I, him a half a point. Now he I'm not have giving a him half point, a point. So He's I getting one or zero. One. Okay. I'm sa- I was Kay. giving you an explanation. Going on. Question number nine. You get a point, according to our judge. Who is against you. Number nine. doesn't make any sense. In this film... Brad Pitt gets smashed by a car and then becomes death. Oh, uh, Jawa. Yeah. Meet Joe Black. That is correct. What the fuck is this? He's <laughs> running you. That's like one of my all-time favorite movies. He's running you like Chris Brown. Not black. Or white. Or brown. <laughs> this documentary follows Tillicum and his responsibility in killing three individuals, including one of his trainers. This documentary follows Tillicum and his responsibility in killing three individuals, including one of his trainers. Uh, I don't know. Mm. The movie is Blackfish. Everyone in this room has seen it. Oh, I remember 
about people. Yeah. That was the trick. I was thinking of like some Eskimo movie or something. It just totally made me sad. I think... No. (laughs) Matt wins the sticker on that one. Every week in feature presentation, we take a movie that we saw with the Sierra Nevada Movie Club, and then we use it as a jumping off point for topics of conversation. This week, we saw the movie Black or White, starring Kevin and Costner. Here's a synopsis about the film Black or White. Black or White is a story of a grandfather, Kevin Costner, who is suddenly left to care for his beloved granddaughter. When her parental grandmother, played by Octavia Spencer, seeks custody with the help of her brother, Anthony Mackey. The little girl is torn between two families who love her deeply. With the best intentions at heart, both families fight for what they feel is right and are soon forced to confront their true feelings about race, forgiveness, and understanding. Anchored by an all-star cast and based on real events, the movie is a look at two seemingly different worlds in which nothing is as simple as black or white. So I'm going to start with um, going into it in the beginning. Um, I was really interested in it, and it felt like in the first 15 minutes there was a lot of cool things. I thought, oh, wow, this is I haven't really seen a movie like this. There's a lot of topics that they have the potential to um, tackle. I'm not going to really call these themes for this. I'm going to say that these could have been maybe um, obstacles or tension in a movie. You know how a plot generally has obstacles to overcome. So I'm going to go over each of these. You wanted to see how they were going to address it? Well, or if they're going to address it at all. So I'm going to go through a few of these, and you let me know if they addressed it and if you thought they did a good good job addressing these. So the first thing that I kind of noticed or thought that they were going to talk about was the aspect of a single parent. In this movie, it was actually a grandparent, which was sort of a twist on it. So do you think they tackled the aspect of a single parent raising Uh, a kid? Uh, and well, actually, not just in, in, in several different ways. I think they did. I was going to um, say not just mm-hmm. with Kevin Costner, but also with Octavia Spencer, who was also the dad. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the dad. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it was, yeah, a unique kind of single parent situation because it, it was more like even though he had been caring for this girl for pretty much her whole life, it, it seemed like he was kind of thrown completely into this girl's life mm-hmm. well and if you want to take it to a, a whole different level it sounds like even the grandmother played a single parent role because when uh. she died he didn't know any of her routines so it was almost like she was taking care of her on her own right. and he was working well so yeah, it's three different perspectives I, yeah i i do um think that he probably was working a lot being a lawyer but also that's probably going to go into uh, another aspect that i'm going to address soon i don't think it was necessarily that he was out of the picture there's just a lot of things that someone doesn't do so i'll skip ahead to the gender challenge of a single father on this case a grandfather raising a female child or vice versa so i think a lot of the um stuff he didn't know like brushing the hair and stuff like that was just because 
he was the stereotypical male in the relationship and didn't handle those kind of duties. I don't, I don't, well, again, it was both grandparent and father. And I don't think it's because he didn't know how to do it. I Mm -hmm. think it's because he just wasn't around to do it. Well, do you think? At this point, he's also dealing with a lot of, um, you know, loss and issues, you know, with his own relationship ending and everything else. That do you think they addressed the gender challenge of um, raising the opposite sex child, or? I think they did because she said, uh, "Hello, you need to put my bow this way," and then he did it. You know, he tied her bow, and then she's yeah. like, "Uh, no, do it again," and you know. Uh, when she said, brush my hair, he started to brush her hair, and then she said, no, which that's how you brush black people's hair is mm-hmm. down from up. So she I didn't said, know that either. So. She said, this is how you brush my hair, and then he said, this is every day. She's like, yeah, every Yeah, that day. looks miserable. And she dealt with him. That I mean, you don't actually do that. You're, you do short yeah, yeah obviously things, he wasn't doing she it She right. was willing to, you know, and, and also uh, she was teaching her grandfather or her papa mm-hmm. to, you know, she would say, no, go back and tell me, brush my teeth or uh, yeah, she tell needed, me to go upstairs. She uh, needed the routine and the structure, mm-hmm. so she was teaching him. She was also teaching him about kind of the more of the female general gentler side of things as far as um you know the intimacy is you know mm-hmm. hugging and um showing you know, love when you drop yeah, him off at school um cuddling up with him while he's reading a book and putting your arm around him um which you can I tell think he they really had wasn't. that i think they had that i don't think that they have the, i don't think that they have the structure yeah. that's what i got is that they didn't have the structure between papa or papa and granddaughter the uh about the same time actually the second thing that i was thinking about um if they were going to tackle or not is okay there's been movies about single parents there's been movies about um uh, the gender challenge there's been but they also had the added this was the grandfather so there was also a generation gap so do you think that this was a topic that was addressed to me, I don't think it was, and maybe it wasn't necessarily to address it. I was just wondering if they would. I think she kind. Of, I think it was addressed because uh, he did say during the um, court trials, he asked her when she was making pancakes, "Do you want to go and live with your uh, wee wee?" Mm-hmm. And because you know you would be around kids and. You know, I'm just an old guy or whatever. Oh, and that's she true. said, I'm around kids all the time. Uh, I want to be here. I want to be here with you. Yep. So, so I, I think it was addressed. Well, I don't think they really addressed it as a theme or an obstacle, but I don't think they needed to either. I mean, they did, like I said, what they did there was mm-hmm. fine. He was not like a totally out of touch old man. He was hip for. He's cutting costs. Yeah, even with the Honestly, stuff. Honestly, if. It, oh, I'm sorry. Even with like this, the, the school stuff, so stuff that he probably didn't even learn in school and um i mean he made the effort to kind of get her the the help that she needed as well as being involved in kind of learning all that stuff so i mean he was definitely yeah looking at that's what i was going to say is looking at the situation i that 
would be a perfect environment. I would love to be raised in that. You have a whole uh, family that you can have come visit or you can go and visit, but you're, you are an only child and you know, it's, you have one-on-one with your parent or grandparent or whoever it is that's raising you. So I also wrote down, um, dealing with grief, but I'm going to skip that one for now. Well, we can touch on it briefly. I want to talk about it later. Just as far as the film goes, do you think that they addressed um, that issue? And again, yeah, there was many signs of it. Do you think that the film addressed dealing with grief in a, a in a good way or a believable way? I don't necessarily think it was believable, but um, I mean, they definitely addressed it in a believable way if that makes any sense (laughs) well they addressed it in one way that people handle it which is drinking okay yeah i kind of liked the way that the movie brought that up um in one scene because it it validated my drinking in a way because (laughs) he's got his buddy played by um bill burr who who uh, has a buddy that's an alcoholic uh anonymous counselor Mm -hmm. And he, and he says, hey, yeah, I went and told my uh, my friend your situation. And he said, hey, that guy may not, be an al- may not be an alcoholic. He just may be really pissed off, you know. Yeah. And um, But then he also said today's not a day to go yeah, off and yeah. binge, so, which I thought was really cool I, but for I, somebody to say, like, you might be this kind of person, but today is not a day to go and do that. Yeah. And that is yeah. really cool for somebody to say to somebody who is that kind of a person. Like, I, yeah, kind of like I understand what you're going through. I understand why you're doing it. I understand the need to do it. But today is not a good day to do it because yeah. it's going to affect, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I liked that they didn't, out of all of the points, I felt that they pressured or um, had a sermon about that it was nice for once to see a movie where the person wasn't like an alcoholic and then he becomes clean and then he's a hero. It was more about, I mean, actually, I think they did portray portray Kevin Costner in the film as an alcoholic. Yeah. But it was kind of nice to not have to go through that cliche of, oh, now I'm clean, now I'm great. Like, he did try to do other things like learn French and stuff instead. Because I feel like some people can drink as a hobby every day and not be an alcoholic. Well... I didn't really like that uh, they didn't really have to pronounce the alcohol so much. Like, well, one of the you problem, know what I mean? Well, I mean, if you're pouring like that much, that's a lot. Like, if you drink that much, if you're pouring that much of no like, one can straight see what you're from saying. the bottle, okay, if you're pouring uh, six ounces of straight. What is yeah. it that he's drinking? Well, he was drink- He was mostly drinking scotch, but scotch. But, okay, yeah. yeah. Into a, a coffee mug. A coffee mug at ten o'clock in the morning. Um, you're gonna have some problems. Well, that's why. Too. One of the things I felt they handled kind of clumsily is they they kept seemed like they felt kept wanting to compare him to the girl's father in their addictions and things like that, and and show how if you look at something from two sides. Or you know both sides of a coin that they, if I, I felt like they were really trying to compare them to, showing that they weren't that different, other than a couple choices. I would have liked if he would have been more like uh, my papa, where 
he would just have, you know, something on the rocks where it just had, you know, uh, an ounce yeah. on the rocks, you know. It, maybe that all the time in every shot would have been fine. Like, yes, well, he always has a drink in his hand. They That's had, fine. They had to make him intoxicated enough that the teacher got involved as a driver to and bring him into the that. story. Yeah, I, I suppose. You can you can And also... That. The, when he has the kind of conflict with right. the daughter that it has to show is is he really having this conflict is the alcohol you know involved in it where I, I don't think even if he didn't have the alcohol he probably would have had the same reaction but it just they needed to add that tension to the movie though I guess you could have made that um, tension with a flask or something to mm-hmm. make it a little bit different like to change. I kind of got you. Like I said, I thought it was forced a little bit, but oh yeah, like oh, the drinking in the car, like with a full-on glass <laughs> with ice in the car with the oh my grandfather bottle. used to do that in Texas all the time. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, well, I was gonna say my brother. But he does wasn't that, an but. alcoholic. He was not an alcoholic. He would have, like I said, the big, huge, uh, ice cube, mm-hmm. so. and just with the one ounce, and we'd be like, yeah. you know, sixteen I, years if, old. I'd be like. What are you doing, Papa? He's like, it's after yeah. noon. If you're doing <laughs> it just to take the edge off, I don't. That's necessarily... what he would say, but it, he was never. That yeah. would be his his drink. If you're just taking the edge off, I don't consider that being an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. If you're doing it to literally get smashed every night, you're an alcoholic. Or if you have to drink to make yourself right, because I, you know, I have I know people that are. They have to drink in the morning or, or they shake or they have to they wake up in the middle of the night because they need a drink because it's basically they're, they're detoxing they become a functional alcohol, alcoholic yeah. Yeah. yeah so i haven't got to that point everybody <laughs> <laughs> so and then finally the main theme of this movie um not only was the grandfather a single parent not only was there a generation gap not only was he raising um uh, someone that was the opposite gender of him not only was he going through this um, grief, but he was a white man raising a biracial daughter. And he lost his daughter. Okay, that's part of the grief. But a white man ra- um, raising a biracial daughter, do you think that they explored this topic enough? Or did they need to? Um, well, I, th- I think it was just out of kind of necessity for the story. You can't not address it. Kind of addressed it, I don't think so much, in my opinion, not so much through them, but through the daughter's side of the family. Um, again, I don't, I'll let you guys talk about it. I don't really, the, 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 the final scene when they're in the courtroom and um, the lawyer, the prosecutor basically asks him if he's racist and tries to provoke him. To me, that's the only spot that I really saw that they really tried to address it and it felt like a little to me a little bit too too little too late I know what the film yeah. was trying to do but I felt like they didn't really do it that well in my opinion well I think from the very beginning you realize it's it's not an issue but that it was created as an issue as a way to um, you know gain custody of and, and and I think you know the film tried to show that it wouldn't be an it almost felt like to me the film was showing or saying white people aren't racist. Look, well, because I, wait for because he he got a black tutor and he didn't have a problem with that. They made sure that they showed that he gave a hug to his secretary that was black. Like they 
There was no reason yeah. that that person was ever in the movie other than to show that she was black and that Kevin Costner didn't have a problem with her. Um, I just felt like all the dots didn't equal up. It felt like it was like a uh, a, a, tale, a tale of ra- race relations from a white yeah. person's point of view, saying, look, we're not that bad. Once in a while we, 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 we fuck up and we say something, but we're good people. Uh, unfortunately, because you're white and you're trying to make this movie... You have to tiptoe around these issues because you don't want to upset the black people or the brown people or any other color. Uh, point. Well, I thought, a perfect point yeah. is today. I don't mean to go off subject, but um, got a phone call today. Uh, somebody interviewed at a branch in North Carolina today. Black chick. She wanted to talk to somebody from corporate because she felt like she was discriminated against. Had an interview today, and <laughs> Levi, who is gay, very gay, um, was like, you know, put yourself on hold. And he's he, he very adamantly was like, I really do not like certain races, and this is why. Like, you had a bad interview, and you want to call corporate now? Really? Because why? Because uh-huh. of race? That's what he said, and it's okay for him to say. But if I said it, maybe it would have been taken a little bit differently. I'm not well, sure. Well, that's what stereotyping is, is even though someone does something that's within the stereotype, you're not supposed to judge a whole group of people on it. She was pretty rude to him. Okay. And you can tell But, I mean, you, just because she was rude to him doesn't mean he should say, this is why I don't like yeah. black people or whatever. Because not all black people are like that. I mean, there's a plen- plenty of white people that are... Rude. Well, There's plenty of Mexican people that are rude. I guess you should hear him through throughout the day. The way I know he's a lot like, more white chicks or white, uh, you know, mm-hmm. older women that are a lot worse than. Yeah, if a white person could pull that card, like, well, oh, I want to, I want to report this because I was discriminated. People would do it. If white yeah. people could do it, they would do well, it. Well, that's what it. Okay, so anyway, that's what I'm saying is you have to kind of tiptoe around the issue when you're dealing with a reverse mm-hmm. issue. Uh, like you have a white person that's dealing with a, a half, a mixed child. Mm-hmm. And he wants to say, look, it has nothing to do with you being black. In the movie. You're being a, a, what did he say? You're being a, a nigger ass uh, or whatever. Street nigger. Yeah, a street nigger. That's like my and he's like, yeah, I said it. But... What I wish he would have said uh, when he was in court, I said that, but then I also said, your family is raising you right, because that's what he said. You're being right. a street nigger, and you're putting your family to shame. Yeah, he said that's your he family's said. good people. Yeah. Yeah, and it was more like you're portraying, you're trying to portray a stereotype. And that's what we not. say to each yeah. other. Yeah. You're Quit being right trash. Yeah. It's the same thing. I, I like that scene in the movie. I wish there was more of that. I, I, I told Heather after the movie that I liked the way that Kevin Costner kind of addressed that question. I just wish yeah. there was more of it early on. Um, because he said, okay, when I first see you, yeah, I see your colors mm-hmm. black. Yeah, when I first see a woman, I see her tits. I was telling Heather, like, yeah, I might see someone, a girl, and I notice that she's blonde. Or I might see a guy and notice he has dark hair or freckles. I mean, you just notice, you happen to notice things. It doesn't mean that you I judge them. I just don't think it's going to be, if you if you lay it on too thick, I don't think it's going to be well received by the black community. The mo- Well, that's just my... The point of the movie, at least, and I didn't talk about this earlier, is that um, 
Uh, Kevin Costner actually financed this whole movie because he really wanted this movie made. It was really important to him. He really wanted this screenplay out there. He wanted people to talk about the themes that were in the script. Mm -hmm. So that being said, I wish that the themes in the script were a little bit more... um, There was more to talk about. There's not really too much debate, you know. It was kind of a vanilla version of looking at things. So you're saying you don't... You're afraid, or you think that they were afraid of... um, they offending the the community, but sometimes you have to offend the community. A I don't bit. think that white. I mean, people they did use the N word, which is black pretty... people are allowed. Black people are allowed free reign. White people were not allowed. I I, I think the writing was done uh, pretty well. I mean, my main issue with the film was, um, I I, I think the cinematography was a bit lacking. Um, and was almost distracting to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, there could have been some work done on the, the actual writing, but uh, I think for the most part the writing was probably one of the best parts of the, the film. It was an interesting st- story. I mean, as far as the skeleton of it, I, I, I liked that part. There were certain scenes I didn't like. I felt like a lot of it was a made-for-lifetime movie. Um, the music reminded me of something out of like 1993 out of some steamy like straight to video thriller. I got up and danced. Um, <laughs> singing. Anything, so, anything with like the mournful saxophone and everything. What's, what's really funny is that I usually am the first person to pick a baby out of theater or be like, this person's doing that. This person's doing that. I didn't hear anything. Like Kevin was like, um, did you hear uh, the person kicking his shoe? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? I'm like, Nope. Well, I, I was. I think because pretty I didn't much hear anything, most so. of our group liked the movie. I think I was I was the lone one out that that didn't really like it. I was like looking at the ceiling and closing my eyes it at times. It sounded like both of you guys were like. Oh, no, I think everyone liked it. I just. Um, I really, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I think, like I said, the only thing really distracting me for me was the sort of. I mean, right off the bat, there's a scene with Kevin Costner and Bill Burr. And I really liked Bill Burr, so I noticed him right away. But I started noticing all the little things that he was doing, and it wasn't like he was a bad actor, but it was just the, the way it was all shot and filmed that was just kind of distracting to me. You just reminded me about the whole um, alcohol thing, how we were talking about you know, how they were pouring a bunch of alcohol into a mug. Um, every scene was around this full bar. Because mm-hmm. um, he even said that when the tutor first comes in, he says, I have the works. But then, you know, there's that scene where he uh, goes through and is like pulling everything out. Out to look for it because the maid's hidden. Yeah, it. and there was like, that was a. Well, he, was, dis- he was mainly looking for his specific I scotch. Yeah. I didn't make that connection until then. They and didn't. I would have loved to not have every scene. Of him pouring right. at that full bar, uh, yeah. I thought he was just making himself like random drinks. If he would have just had always a scene with that bottle, well, I think that's another kitchen. another way they kind of displayed or, or showed that he wasn't an alcoholic. He wasn't just trying to get an alcoholic fix. It was this was his drink of choice this was kind of how he was uh trying to keep the edge off it was something that was sentimental it. to him and i missed it yeah, I missed because it of that full bar i never right. ever made the connection that that's the only thing that he drank from that full bar yeah. because of that bar 
until that scene. And, I, and it probably would have, for me, it probably would have been a little bit uh, better if they would have highlighted that, you know, maybe this was something that him and his wife used to yeah. share. Or that would have been good. Mm-hmm. That would have been good. Yeah. And again, with just the one drink and the one, you know, the single ice cube, the bottle, and yeah. just that. Right. Um. Walking out of the movie, I didn't get a chance to say it, but it's funny that I, that I read this because I, I kind of meant it seriously, not as a joke, but I was going to say any of those people. Like, I mean, Denzel Washington is like the same age for like 20 years. Like, black people just don't age the way white they people don't. do. So when I walked out of the movie, it's I was like, wow, any of those people could have played any role. And then I went and read... Octavia Spencer, who plays the mother of Andre John, uh, ha- Andre Holland's character. In real life, she's only seven years older. Anthony Mackie, who is um, the bird guy from, from Captain America. He plays Holland's uncle. In real life, both actors are the same age. So I was like, okay, that's why they all look the same age. Because they are. Yeah. So, kind of weird with the casting. With And I even... Just thought that when I saw uh, uh, Octavia Spencer, I think she's a pretty good actress. But I was like, okay. is she old enough to play a grandma? You know, like she wasn't really. She's pretty. pretty uh, uh, well, she is. I think. Yeah, I think she was. Old. I have a. I have a lot of black friends, and I can tell. You know, with uh, you know black people, like, well, my best friend is half black and half white. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she takes on the more black features as far as the, the skin pigmentation, which I'm super jealous because she has like no wrinkles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be. Uh, it's it's weird, like you said, stepping on on shells. I'm not trying to be racist by saying that no, black people I'm super jealous um, don't age, but I mean Asians don't either, really. Well, and it is something that they've. I haven't seen on the black side, but I have seen cosmetic companies have done research on Asian people's skin versus white people's skin, and they do show at least physically on the on the face structure, um, their signs of aging are much more delayed than white people. I think everybody. Uh, Mexicans, Indians, everyone yeah. but white people and you, you don't saw the, age. You saw the Saturday Night Live special, right? Yeah. But, yeah. So, yeah, even like Eddie Murphy, that was mm-hmm. like shocking mm-hmm. to, to see like everybody else that was in his cast looks ancient. Yeah, or dead. And then he gets on and he looks like the same mm-hmm. it's it's kind of weird when i see a black dude that looks old it's like they finally hit 70 and they look old because when we were watching at sushi the other day when they showed the snoop dog thing with yeah. his son and i was like wow he looks old well he's like 50 but it's just weird that he finally looks old no he's like <laughs> well no, he's, he's older than i don't that. think he's older than 50 i think he's 44 no well we can look it up he's older than that look yeah, it up right now he's, he's also done he's a lot of like... drugs oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh that's siri <laughs> Siri, how old is Snoop Dogg? Snoop Dogg is 43. Mm-hmm. I was right. I said 44. Pretty on the mark. Give me a sticker. No. So, in the beginning of this film, uh, Kevin Costner is taking his granddaughter to school, and they have a small discussion about getting lost, and she asks him a couple questions if he's lost or not and things like that. 
And I know a lot of this is for some reason. Uh, it's because he doesn't know the routine again. Okay. So for a lot of people, um, and for some reason, this does go along a, gen a general gender divide. So heathen, how do you handle getting lost? Well, now things have changed. Thanks. Siri, how do I get to <laughs> Old Town Mall? <laughs> getting directions to Old Town Mall. Okay, what about in the past? Were you a uh, drive till you find it? Were you stop and get directions? Were oh, you no. A no, you know. I you and know. I have had well, several Well, can you tell everyone? Okay. Uh, I like the Atlas. Like Atlas. Mm, what's that before, one? Before uh, phones. Oh, that's good. No. Before anything. If I was going to take a road trip, um, Atlas for sure. Uh, and then for sure, you know, pull over and ask for directions. <laughs> Growing up, we always had an Atlas in the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I still want an Atlas. Well, I was, I was like the typical guy that would never stop for directions almost. I would just drive and drive and drive and get myself further and further lost. I don't know why. Like I said, that's a stereotypical male thing. But and as anyone will tell you, I'm horrible with directions. Do you think you do that because you think that's the guy thing to do? I think it's because... Because you were raised by your mom. If so I'm by myself, I don't really care if I'm lost as part of the adventure like it's you know if I if I if I was on a job interview and I had to be there in 30 minutes and I was lost I would definitely stop at a gas station and say how do I get to such and such place but normally I'm just a person if I don't have anything to do I mean it's what I do when I move to a new city is I just drive to a random area and then kind of do circles and like try to intentionally get lost well yeah that's completely understandable because you have your place of residence and you're like i'm just gonna go and but a lot of men stuff, also won't admit that they're lost was the other stereotype which i guess is just like a lot of men won't admit that they're wrong uh, do you fit that stereotype at all matt um i've always prided myself on being the type of person that um loves to get lost like i actually like getting lost because it forces me to kind of see more i guess mm -hmm. um, but that being said if i was taking you know a longer trip or i knew i was going to a job interview or something for the first time i would either go to that place the night before first so i remember like when i went to um interview for my job in uh mountain view and i was living in concord which is like an hour and a half two hours away the night before I went into to work for the interview, uh, I I drove out to Mountain View, so I knew exactly where it was. So the next morning when I went, I I was on time. And I knew exactly where it was. I would I would do that too. I think that's more of a mm -hmm. personality thing than a male female thing. That's just something. No, in our personality. do it too. Well, I was saying I think it's something in our personality a personality trait. I don't know what personality trait that is, but. But that's something I would do, too. It's something about my organization, I guess, mm -hmm. and Matt's organization. There's a difference between, uh, what was I going to say? Um, just going and getting, getting lost and, uh, you know, being on time. Uh, 
uh, and making sure you're where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So. And I like, like I said, I love getting lost, but I, I make sure that I have enough time to get lost. Like if if I I know I have like an hour to get someplace, and I'm, it's only going to take like twenty minutes to get there, I, I will absolutely try and get lost because I want to kind of know more about the area yeah. and. Right, but if you're on vacation or something, you kind of have to like map it out. Oh, I have to. And that's, well, you can allot yourself some time to, you know, uh, fill the place out, but you don't want to be completely lost because then you spend hours going, where the fuck are we? And that doesn't make for a uh, pleasant yeah, that vacation. Yeah, that would suck, but sometimes on vacation. Um, like when Kyle came and visited me in China, one of the best times we had was just wandering around randomly and ending up where neither of us know where we're at and just kind of seeing like the real essence of the country other than the, um, which I'm glad he got to see. How did you find yourself? How did you find yourself back? A uh, phone? Uh, I don't know. We just wandered back or I asked someone. I don't know. And I've, I've never been worried about doing stuff like that. You don't remember? No, I just remember we just started wandering around a city, and then we got to this weird neighborhood, and it was like a traditional neighborhood, and we just sat down like in the in the road, and we're just ordering stuff off of carts, and there was, you know, you, you could tell, you could see no white people around walking around, and I was just ordering like stuff off of food carts, and you know, you can tell when you're in the untourist places and places like that, because people come up and talk to you in a different live, way. So it's a little bit different, that's so, what I'm saying. I live in America. If I went to North Carolina, I still in China. It's a little bit different. That's are you are you sorry? Do you consider yourself kind of more of a visual person, so you can actually like, let's say you're driving someplace uh, and you're looking around and visually like looking at landmarks and remembering. Well, yeah, I know I'm a visual person, and again, this is a more traditionally a female thing. But if someone asks me for directions, I'm someone they'll say like, turn left at the barn and turn right at the. Um, you know, red pole instead of saying like turn left on 32nd Street and turn right when you get to and head west. Like I, yeah. men always say like uh, go west along I 90 and turn and, and then go east on such and such. Like I, I, I don't know and those that, things. That's something that's always been like really good with me because I'll be with you know women in particular, and we've gone someplace and now we're heading back, and they're always like astonished that I'm not looking at a map to be able to you know do the reverse and get back mm-hmm. and like i think you're going the wrong way i'm like no i remember that gas station yeah. right there i know we turned right on this street from that gas station so i know we make a left there so that's just every place i go i just visually see things in my head and i kind of create almost like this visual map in my head yeah yeah like i know um sacramento pretty well but i could never give anyone directions anywhere because i don't know 16th from 14 actually i do but i mean i don't know like 32nd from 36th street really i mean i just i know you turn it when you get to the garage like i don't know especially when it's numbers and letters i get confused real easy right go ahead i did uh line locating for the state of arizona so I'm a little bit uh, boy and girl because I can go, you know, plat mat ways. Uh, take this, take that. Uh, I can even quote uh, plat mats to get people to where they need to go. So, so jumping mind. ahead a little bit, we talked about grief. We'll, we'll go through this a little quickly. Um, the most common model for grief or the one that most people know is the the kubler ross model this is the one that's um 
I, I guess the more well-known in the psychological community, and it's the one you've heard with the five steps, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Um, I, don't, I don't really know where to talk about this. I think that certain people maybe don't have to hit all of these steps. And actually, when I was um, reviewing this before, they said if someone is in a more of a... Um, secure environment or a, or a safe environment they may handle these steps differently um i don't think that i necessarily um go through all of these steps but is there a certain step that you find yourself um gravitating more towards than the others or one that you stay in longer than th these other stages for me i'm gonna say uh i i stay in probably denial the longest because I'm just a person that, um, again, kind of handling stuff like a guy, that I don't let it really sink in. I pretend everything's normal. I just go ahead like usual. And then maybe way after the fact, it slowly kind of cracks out. I would say I definitely go through most of the steps. But um, over time, it's definitely gotten less and less. Like I spend less time in each step. Like mm -hmm. I do... I do you know, experience denial maybe for a week or two. Um, I do go through anger, usually sometimes before the denial, um, but not very long. It, anger usually only lasts maybe like a, a couple of days or a couple of hours to it, maybe a day. Yeah, that's the same with me. Um, I, I would say I, I quickly do get a, to acceptance, but the hard part for me with most of this is... Um, because I'm a very visual person, uh, a lot of stuff kind of sticks with me. Mm -hmm. So even though I've kind of accepted it and kind of moved on, I still uh, experience that. I think that's a normal thing. You know, people, do, when, even when they get to acceptance, I don't think that it's 100%. There's always something that's going to remind you. So what do you think, Heather? You're the big um, psychological buff well, of that's, the group. Yeah, that's what I was going to say is you actually uh, toggle between all of them. And uh, you uh, move uh, 10, 20, 50. Okay, how about you? 26. Um, is, there, is there a phase? It can take years. Is there a phase that you, that you stay on more or a phase that's more? Um, no, you move, you move through them. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about, I mean, I'm talking about. Anybody. I'm talking about you specifically. <laughs> I can't, I can't tell you. Uh, what I can say is uh I know the mumble that you're talking about, and I move through them uh, mm -hmm. day by day. Nothing really stands week, out. Year by year. Pretty equal. Uh, dreams can uh, move me into something. Uh, a dream the other night put me into anger. One of these. No, I'm just saying that you know, if I was going to interpret, and I did take a really cool uh, psychology interpretation think, uh, dream. It uh, was really cool. And I do believe it's yeah, your subconscious kind of bringing stuff to the surface. But I think for guys, uh, not like, really. No. No, I, I no. Do. You I, should really take that class because it's I, interesting. I think dreams a lot of them i think that people put too much weight on them but i do think that they do provide stuff that you aren't willing to take on yourself it's it's your way of processing stuff that you're not able to do in if your consciousness you, if you interpret the dream uh 
based on every single uh, psychologist, it has a complete different meaning. So yeah, that's don't what I said. put I don't too really, much weight on it. I don't believe that much in dreams, but... Yeah, but for some people, I, f- I forget within five minutes of waking oh, up. You, shouldn't, yeah, you should keep a dream journal because they might mean something. Anyway, um, you toggle between all of them. And uh, I don't. basically, uh, if you're grieving over something, if you've been in a relationship for, let's say, like 10 years, it's going to take about 10 years to complete the whole process. Well, right. yeah, they say, um, although it's a little bit different. It, so it's this, not going to sting as much. I mean, so, the initial sting so, is going to... So this grief diagram is, is mostly uh, geared towards if you've lost someone important to you, but they've also tried to use it um, when you've lost, um, say, like uh, in a breakup, you've lost someone that you've loved that way, but they're not dead. Also, they've tried to use this model for uh, addiction. Well, it's the thing, same thing with love. I mean, they've they've proven that love is an addiction. You're when you are in love, what makes you in love is you're basically releasing these endorphins into your your brain, and that's what your body is basically addicted to. So when when you lose somebody, either in a relationship or from death or something, you are going through withdrawals. Basically, what it is is it's a loss of a pattern. Whatever the pattern is, it could be a loss of, I do my laundry every Wednesday, and now I don't do my laundry every Wednesday, and that's a loss. Just putting it black and white. It's not a loss of a person, but it could be you're feeling that loss, and I've been doing my laundry every Wednesday for 10 years. I wasn't laughing at your thought. I was laughing that you were talking about the movie. <laughs> that no, the black to well, I think it was, and it's the same way. I mean, you've interrupted when, when, me like twice now. <laughs> okay, we're on a schedule. When, when you've lost somebody that's died, you're replacing that with something. I else was just to trying to put it. this theory, yeah. this model, mm-hmm. into black and white. It doesn't matter about uh, marriage, death, whatever. I'm like, it's a pattern. Okay. You've missed that pattern. You missed the pattern. It's gone. I don't think that's and why so people are grieving. You're grieving the pattern. I don't. You're grieving I don't that. that yeah, I, well, you're grieving it. If <laughs> if if my mom dies, I'm not going to be grieving that I'm missing a pattern. Well, there's no pattern to it. I'm going to be sad that I can't talk to her when I want to. That's not a pattern. I haven't talked to her for like three weeks, but maybe I could. that's your pattern. No. Your pattern is you can talk to her whenever you want to. Okay, that's not really a pattern. That is your pattern. Well, that's it's also memories. Okay. So okay. Remembering, remembering good See? memories. You're gonna... Thank you. I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just, it's we're talking psychology and... Yeah. And it's a pseudoscience. So let's move on to the ranks. What was your degree in? Science. Political science. So, we have ranks today. We have the whites to rank, and we have the blacks to rank. Heathen's going to start by ranking the whites. We have Vanna White from Wheel of Fortune, Jack White from the White Stripes, Barry White, uh, you know, might know him for many things. One mm. is Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. Jaleel White, he played Urkel. Did I do that? Yeah. 
and Betty White, the hottest. Or no, she wasn't the hottest, but she, she was a golden girl. <laughs> so we already know. So how are you going to rank these? What is your criteria for ranking these? Hang out with, dinner date. One is your buddy on The Amazing Race. I can't even tell you. Come on. I really can't even tell you. Okay, just rank them based on your favorites. Then. <laughs> um, Betty White. Is what? Is number one. Okay, so we're going one, two, three, four, five. So number one, Betty Betty White heads the list. Mm-hmm. Okay, number two. Uh, Barry White. Number two, Barry White. Uh, Vanna White. Vanna White's number three. Jack White. Jack White's number four. And Steve Urkel. And why is Betty White your number one? Because um, she's pretty freaking cool. Okay, good answer. <laughs> All right, Matt. Matt's got the blacks. <laughs> It's got Jack Black from Tenacious D, Clint Black, country music singer, Louis Black, comedian, Black Francis, he's the singer from the Pixies, and Blackbeard. He's an English pirate. <laughs> how, are you, how are you gonna rank these, Matt? I'll do the What was it, the Survivor or was it The Amazing Race? Amazing Race. Okay. Who do you want as your partner on the Amazing Race? Uh you can start at one or start at five. I'll start at five. Alright. So if we're doing off the Amazing Race, probably Lewis Black would be five. All right. He cracks me up, but I, he's definitely a negative person and <laughs> would probably drag you down. We'll never find this clue. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do like Black Francis because I do love the Pixies, uh, but I don't see him doing too well, so we'll tell me four. All right. Um. Clint Black, I don't know too much about him, so we'll do three. Really? Okay, he's three. Leave him alone. <laughs> All he said was really. <laughs> Number two? Um, so between Jack Black and Blackbeard, I think Blackbeard would, I would assume, be really good at that stuff, but... Jack Black, I mean, you give him some cocaine or whatever he's on all the time, and he'll just go forever. He'd definitely get you good uh, ratings, I think. He, and he'd be fun to hang out with yeah. going around the world, I think. Uh, so I'll do Blackbeard number two and Jack Black number one. Siri, who sings Let's Get It On? Let's see. The answer is Marvin oh, okay. Gaye. Yeah, I, I could have told to you that. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> Last call. Looking at the world through the bottom of a glass. All I see is a man who's fading fast. Last call. Heathen, any last words? I don't think so. I wasn't going to interrupt you. Could go for another half hour. <laughs> Beer maker Matt, any birthday last words? Yeah, I'm so old. <laughs> Eugene just had his birthday on the 28th, also. I just think there's other songs saying Can't Get Enough Your okay. Love by Barry White. <laughs> there there are other songs, you're right. That's not the song I remember him by. Okay. That's fine. That's, that's what I was famous song. Everyone knows that Let's Get It On with Marvin Gaye. Can't Get Enough Your Love. Anyways. Uh, look out on our website 
coming up, we do have a movie sports bracket that it has about 72 teams as of date. This is crazy that so many teams have been nominated. If you'd like to vote on what the greatest sports movie of all time is, be sure to check out. Um, really add? Check out our Facebook site. It is. Um, I would suggest just going on Facebook and searching Sierra Nevada Movie Club. Um, the exact site is facebook.com slash group slash Sierra Nevada Movie Group for some reason. Uh, look out for that. And as always, you can hit us on the VIP line, 775-996-3986. I don't have too much else to say. Next week, we do not know what we're seeing. It is up for a poll right now. If you are part of the Sierra Nevada Movie Group, go ahead and vote on it. Otherwise, keep it wet, everybody. <laughs> gonna put this on later. No, it should be happy birthday to you. No, it's gonna be black or white by by uh, Michael Jackson. Oh. Is it black? Is it white? Really? Is that what he says? Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. That's a there, I'll take a picture of that. Be like, look at me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It'll <laughs> be funny though. Watch your watch the red light here. I'm the one that's probably gonna have to watch it. I'm getting, I'm kinda nervous about my news right now. Because you guys so. are pretty quiet. Well heathen's pretty quiet. Go into that beer. That's a good beer. I'll save the rest for y'all getting on this one.